You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, it's Mike and Mike, and this is Earth Station One. Hey everybody, how are you doing this week? We are here and we've got another look at science! Science! And we are here for 2020, and it's just going to be amazing to do. And we have so much to talk about before Dr. Scott gets here. And we actually, you know, definitely want to say hey to my co-host for this week, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, sir? Are you ready for a little scientific experimentation? I am excited. You know, 2020 is, uh, is that's when we get the flying cars, right? Blade Runner told us that's what we were going to get by 2019, and they're already behind. Yeah, so this should be the year, you know. This should be the, the, the year. The 2020 models should uh, should all fly. Oh, exactly. And according to the Consumer Electronics Show, we might have that sooner than you think. I'm ordering my Joanna Cassidy replicant. So, of course. Um, so that's in the mail, I hope. That's a good thing, of course. So cool. And of course, we are wanting to hear from everybody out there about science. If you want to, please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. And don't forget, we have a brand new EarthStation1 website. That's right, folks, earthstation1.com. It is a brand new website that has all our past shows on it for the last 50 episodes. And, you know, we're going to be adding more to it as it goes along. And we finally figured after 10 years, it was time to have our own website. We grew up. What can we say? Finally joining the 21st century. Exactly. So pretty cool. We'll get on social media, get that all straightened up eventually for Earth Station One. But we'll see how that goes. But, of course, being the beginning of January, it is also award season. And so joining us is Alex Autry, and they announced the Academy Awards. Congratulations for winning, sir. You know, yeah. I'd like to thank the little people. Exactly. Mickey Mouse, the Smurfs. Anyway. Exactly. The Oompa Loompas, don't forget that. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to talk about what was nominated, what was left out. You know, we'll do a quick you know, synopsis of this. And I thought you'd be perfect to join us. Thank you for appreciate co- that. coming on short-term notice. Sure. Absolutely. So let's talk about what are your initial thoughts on who was nominated and who, such? Um, the big ones uh, for me, obviously, um, if you take a look at best picture, because again, uh, they can do up to 10 nominations. Um, they went with nine for this one. Uh, two of them are Amazon films. That'd be the Irishman and marriage story. Uh, both of them did get re- uh, theatrical releases, uh, but honestly, you know, this is going to be a big deal. If either one of them win Best Picture, uh, that's going to be a game changer because obviously the the streaming service cutting into the awards has to be considered a, a major uh, uh, shattering of the glass, as it were. Um, and it opens up opportunities for things like Hulu and uh, Disney Plus to create things specifically for their brand that are Oscar worthy. So I, I think that's kind of interesting. I was a little surprised in the best picture area of two movies. Uh, one, Knives Out. Nowhere. 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 Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't understand that. Like you said, they can go up to 10. 
Yeah. There's a spot available uh, and I don't understand it. I mean, and, and Hollywood basically said, no, we're still angry at Ryan Johnson. Um, and I, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but that didn't make any sense to me because he didn't get nominated for best director. He nope. didn't get nominated for best picture. Uh, he did get a nomination for best original, original screenplay, screenplays. Yeah. Um, so. but that's about it. Um, the other one that I honestly, I thought had a chance of being in there was Avengers Endgame and getting that Lord of the Rings Return of the King spot um, for the, you know, look, they did this over a 10-year period. And they've done something that has never been done in the history of motion pictures. Exactly. And I really thought they say we should acknowledge that a little bit. Yeah. And I I kind of (laughs) thought that maybe, maybe we'd get something there. I'm not overly surprised that that didn't hit. Um, But, but yeah, I was a little, it, it, it was weird because I was like, huh, well, he didn't get nominated. I'll be darned. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't a uh, an earth shatterer. Um, the other one, as far as you know, the first uh, pay attention to the movie Parasite. Uh, oh, it's an amazing is, movie, yeah, amazing film, and it is going gangbusters. Fair to say, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil everybody's brackets. If you if you play at home, if you don't have Parasite as your best foreign film in a year when it's nominated for best picture. <laughs> <laughs> you have exactly. made a grave mistake. Um, it, it, that one's that one's a, a chip shot entry. Um, I, I, I there are some that I, I think are great. It's cool to see Parasite get all the nominations that it did. Um, I when we did the review for Joker, uh, I talked about how brilliant the film was, and then turned around and said how much I hated it. Um, I, I feel it deserves every nomination that it got, and I still hate the movie. So um, I, I just well, uh, it, led, it led the way on eleven categories. eleven nominations. Yeah, this is one where they didn't like in years past. We've seen them spread it out, right? We have seen them spread it out, and and this year uh, they kind of went okay. We're going to give the Joker nineteen seventeen, and what was the other one? Once upon a time. Yeah, they got ten. They got ten. So it's eleven, ten, and ten. Uh, for those, and then the rest we'll just give the Irishman a parasite. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, and again, uh, shame on the Academy. We see no female directors in Best Director. No female directors, and really, all, it looks like most, almost all the the uh, little gold men are going to um, white old men. white dudes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and women too. Um, like if you look at, I I am shocked that, uh, Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers is not on here for best actress or best best supporting. supporting, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm shocked that Aquafina for the uh, funeral is not mentioned. Uh, Yeah. She did an incredible performance. Uh, even Eddie Murphy for, for, uh, his role. Yeah, for, for Dolomite, Dolomite is like my name, nothing, yeah. and I'm just like, what? And you look, and it's just like Dolomite role, was awesome. Yeah. Supporting role, actors, actresses, white, 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 white. I'm like, look, I'm not like <laughs> Wesley Snipes should have gotten for best supporting actor. Yeah, I, I don't so. understand. I don't understand. <laughs> to, to, to be fair, though, seems... do you want Wesley Snipes with an open mic? No. no. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> let's, but let's just be honest. I just, uh, you know, I'm really, really disappointed. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, everybody who's on here is not worthy, but, you know, I think you could make some swaps. Like I said, there's room here for more diversity. And 
I, I and we saw it this year. And so yeah. there's great examples of it, but it's not represented at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at best actor in supporting role, for example, Anthony Hopkins always great does a great performance. Two popes. Who- well, and the other thing with that is touche. That's the first time I've ever even heard of this movie. And, and Jonathan like- Price, Jonathan Price nominated for Best Picture for Two Popes. And I believe that's an HBO release. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. So um, I, I yeah. don't understand why. Like, yeah, I just I'm like, well, why movie, are they in the there? And us not- was completely ignored. Yeah, us completely yep, that's ignored. True. Um, that's true. And 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 Micah, I mean, I know this is not diversity, but um, I know that you you know Rocket Man should be on here in a few yep. categories, and it's not, including Best Actor. Yeah. yeah, and I know, and I know the odds. I mean, we said it when we reviewed it. The odds of them giving the Oscar to another actor playing a a rock star is back to back years. You, yeah, right, right. It's not going to happen. But he should have gotten nominations. He should have gotten. Yeah, it should be acknowledged. The um, only nomination that movie even got was for best original song. Right. Right. Which is wait, ridiculous. Wait, whoa, wait, wait, wait. How do you not get costume design? Exactly. <laughs> well, to be fair, um yeah, it's not you're right. No, no look at look at best costume design. The Irishman, everyone's dressed up in suits. Jojo Rabbit, military piece. The Joker, everyone's dressed up in suits. Little Women, war piece. Uh no. Uh but Victorian <laughs> garb. It, it'll probably go to Little Women. Um, Probably, just because yeah. the Academy but, loves Victorian garb. The costumes in Elton John was awesome in Rocket. Yeah, Club. yeah. All that said, um, uh, I over the weekend I saw it. Nineteen Seventeen. Mm-hmm. It was an incredible experience, and I and I'm fully back it winning all the awards. So oh, sure, uh, uh, it is an amazing achievement in cinema. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. amazing story. It is. R- well told and technically unbelievably astounding um so i i i give it everything um if i had seen it a week or two earlier it would be by far the best movie i saw in 2019 wow um yeah absolutely yeah yeah absolutely um i mean for a cinematic experience 1917 it's it's hard to top i don't know if you guys know much about it other than it's a world war one story but it's all shot as if it's in like one take for the whole movie. Mm. Well, I heard it's and, all like real time also. Um, I think she, I think, but yeah. you know, it's fair. It's, uh, it's, yeah. I mean, since it's one shot, it would be, you know, uh, as much real time as they can get. And, and it's not, you know, shaky cam, it's not POV, but it's, it, and it's not gimmicky. I mean, sure, the the people who like you know like us will be able to see the seams and go, hey, that's where they cut, or I bet yeah. they did. But but the the uh, the choice to make this this way, Sam Mendes, who you know did that uh, that great beginning to Spectre, which was a uh, almost seemingly one take, mm-hmm. uh, I guess felt like he could do it for a whole movie, and he pulled it off. And uh, so so I. I'm fully supporting 1917 uh, going in. I don't know, you know, how the Academy is going to feel about it and what's, you know, what's going to happen. But, but uh, for those people who are thinking, ah, it's just another war movie. I can pass. No, see this movie. It is absolutely incredible. I heard it's breathtaking. Completely. Yeah. I've, I've heard nothing but great things for it. I'm excited. And, that, uh, and it's, see it it's on the big wide. screen. It's very, it's worthy to see on the big screen simply and because it, I, 
I think, you know, I think, you know, uh, what Scorsese had this like, you know, and I don't want to get into the debate, but he said something about pure cinema. Yeah. Um, 1917 is purely a cinematic experience that nice, everybody nice. needs to see. 37 million in its opening weekend uh, after, after going full and that's with the golden globe and everything. Um, the uh, best pick, the best actor and best actress snubs we were talking about with, uh, with uh, uh, Taryn Egerton and, and Aquafina. Um, I think part of that comes from the Golden Globe curse where somebody will win it that deserves it. Uh, and the Academy kind of looks at him and goes, mm, not exactly what we're looking for. Um, which is a shame because shame on I, him. I think both, I think both performances are absolutely worthy of nomination. And I mean, you look at the, I mean, Best actor in a supporting role: Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Brad Pitt. Who's winning that one? I'd like to see Brad Pitt because I thought it's, it it's going to be Pitt. It's going to be Pitt. Pacino it's, and Pesci will, be, will, will. I I hope Pitt. It, I hope it's Pitt because to me know. that's he deserves it. Yeah. But so yeah, I think um, you know, and I don't know. I know that Pitt's won a few, but it's been a while. So I don't think he's won an acting one yet. He's been nominated a bunch, but the ones that he's gotten have been for producer roles. Hmm. Okay, because he's worked behind the scenes. He did like he did Moonlight. Gotcha. Uh, and and so yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. The other thing that I, I thought was interesting, uh, it, at least from the you know initial glance, and I, I look forward to really sitting down and kind of looking at these and, and putting my own thing together. And we've talked about this just before we went on. Um, the movie Claws, uh, Netflix animated film nominated for best picture frozen two not by the way um claws i looked it up according to the numbers claws has a domestic box office of zero dollars what claws was not released in theaters what the hell dude and i i first of all the movie is absolutely phenomenal it is gorgeous it looks like it's it looks like it's computer animated and it's not wow um, the shadow effects, the 3D effects that are all done by hand are absolutely gorgeous. And the story is very clever. Uh, it's a good movie. And honestly, looking at the list of films that it's up against, I think it deserves the, ro- the, the award for best animated film of last year, except for one minor thing. It was never released in theaters. Yeah, that that distinction is getting i don't know what the actual rule is i don't know like because i know that some of these movies like for example um uh well the irishman irishman yeah marriage Um, story but it was but it was only in theaters for like i don't even know if it was a month yeah Uh, i you know and i think the same thing with marriage story right it was technically released but it was only like a the official statement on it, with the exception of foreign films, obviously, uh, is that it has to have a nationwide, that's coast-to-coast release before December 25th gotcha. or on December 25th. So did that happen with two popes? Yes. All okay. of these films, ex- like The Irishman, they all got it. So you could technically have a showing in New York and Los Angeles for one weekend. Well, that's why they always put out available in select cities. Exactly. And, then and, then you, and, and, and that's right. the case for uh, short films, documentary, short yep. subjects as well. Yeah. I think short, I think the short films, uh, they actually submit to the Academy. 
Gotcha. But for so, the feature, so animated films. feature could have been part. Uh, I mean, cause could have been released as part of a do- like a film festival, and then maybe, uh, maybe. But I don't <laughs> I'm, I'm remember hearing anything. <laughs> but it, but it, but if it was released as part of a film festival, that's one location. That's not coast to coast. Right. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I don't know. The lines are being blurred. Um, and yeah, well, especially with you know with the Netflix and Amazon and HBO and right. stuff more and more picking up steam with original content. Yeah. It's yeah. going to become the, basically the borders are going to become blurred even more so. Well, I, I think overall, and I think we can sort of maybe end it here, but I, I think overall it is a week here. Uh, I'm not saying that the movies on here are bad. I'm just saying that there aren't, there isn't like a clear for like even like one or two that are like, super outstanding best movie of the decade kind of material right um, that happens all the time you know well that's it. what i'm saying i'm just saying i think this is overall uh, so what it makes it a little bit more exciting because anything has a chance to win i mean I, I know that uh you know we might not agree with it but the idea that joker might win best picture and a ton of awards is kind of exciting as a comic book geek fan you know like like who would have thought that that would have ever happened you know it, certainly the dark knight movies didn't do that you know? yeah and didn't even fans get fans of black panther yeah <laughs> i Just i would have i i think with uh it's it's kind of cool because it means that black panther is still the only you know superhero film to be nominated uh for for best picture because obviously joker is not a superhero right or a hero or somebody we should get behind um but I, I think it's going to be interesting. Joaquin Phoenix, I, I think, deserves uh, the acting award. I, I, I really yeah, I do. I, I, I do believe that uh, no matter how much I, I personally dislike the film, um, I have to give it its merits. I have to I have to celebrate the genius that went into the film. When I look at, especially when I compare it to the rest of the guys on this list. I yeah. Mean, the, 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 the stuff that he did to go to be in this movie is just, yeah, outstanding. Yeah. Right. So the effort, the effort I, he put in. Yeah, so I really think that it's going to be interesting that I, 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 I'll I need to take a look, but I believe if he wins, that the Joker will be the only fictional character that two different actors have won Academy Awards for playing. The only other one that I can think of off the top of my head will be Queen Elizabeth I. Yeah, I think you're right. I was just thinking about that too. I was I knew it was a... A queen, but I was thinking yeah. of another character that's gotten uh, folks uh, an Oscar before and yeah, I, so. an acting Oscar year before. And I think, yeah, uh, I'd have to go back and do the research. But I, overall, I think you're right. Yeah, I, it's, what it's I'm, just, I'm looking crazy. at though, truthfully, this list for who's been nominated and such, especially for director and such, it almost seems like this is going to be an end of an era. It's already starting to change. This is probably the last time you're going to see Martin Scorsese in this list. This is probably going to be the last time, you know, you see, you know, Quentin Tarantino only says he's going to be doing one more film. Yeah. So, you know, this is almost like the old guard is now going to be making way for a new guard. And they have a lot of explaining to do because this is like the whitest group of people. I've seen, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Sam Mendes. I think he's a tremendous director. I've loved him since American Beauty. Um, I was even willing to go to the theaters to see his Bond movie. Um, I really hope he loses to Bong Joon Ho. 
That would be amazing. I, I would absolutely love that. Director. If Parasite wins Best Director and wins Best Picture over all of this, I Ford versus Ferrari made like thirty bucks in theaters. Yeah. I I Parasite don't know what that, just, I don't know what yeah. Ford versus v Ferrari is doing on this list. Yeah, yeah. And how does Jojo Rabbit get nominated for Best Picture and Taika Waititi doesn't get nominated for Best Director? I don't understand that either. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Because well, Scarlett Johansson is in Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. Yes, you yeah. know, couldn't that one of those have gone to J Lo? Maybe. Yeah, but Scarlett Johansson takes all the roles. Of course she does. Uh, so I'm going to love her as the first Black James Bond. <clears throat> I'm surprised. Oh. I'm, I'm surprised what? she wasn't. No, I'm surprised she wasn't nominated for her role in Parasite. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. Oh, Mike wins. That's amazing. I can't top that. Touche, sir. Touche. (laughs) Wow. Alex, thank you so much. So we have to what? Early February? Uh, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's February. February 9th. uh, Yeah, February 9th. So we'll all be watching. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, for everything you do and let's take a quick break and we'll be back and we're going to be looking at science science This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. It feels like it's been a little while since I've recorded one of these blurbs. We had a really busy holiday movie season at the box office. Lots of new stuff to review and check out in the theaters. So it's kind of nice to get back to a little bit of a slower pace, although there still are some good things in theaters. One movie that I wanted to talk about that actually opened in wide release last week, but I hadn't gotten to mention yet, so I definitely wanted to include it today, is the World War I drama 1917. This movie is really amazing. All the award season buzz that it's receiving, at least in my opinion, is very well deserved. The movie follows two young soldiers as they're going on a secret mission during the First World War. And the interesting thing about this movie from a technical standpoint is that it's filmed as though it was one continuous shot. And I'm sure there were cuts and different takes, but they show it to you on screen. So it looks like they just filmed it all in a row. I was worried that it would feel like a gimmick, but it actually works really, really well. All the action feels really immediate. You feel like you're a part of the story, participating in it. It's really emotional, really tense, and just a powerful movie experience about a period in history that I don't think we talk about enough. So it's very well worth your time to get out and see in theaters. Also in theaters new this week, we have Bad Boys for Life. I'm not super familiar with the Bad Boys franchise. I haven't actually seen any of them, but Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are back for one more ride in this action-adventure comedy series. We also have the movie Doolittle, which I'm not really sure what to think about this one yet. It stars Robert Downey Jr. as the famous Dr. Doolittle who can communicate with animals, and I was kind of interested in the first trailer that I saw, but then I saw a later trailer that made it seem maybe just a little bit silly or cheesy, so I'm not quite sure what to think about this one. This is a movie where I'll probably wait to see what the reviews are. 
And on DVD this week, we have Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. It's crazy how fast movies come out on DVD. It seems like I was just writing a review for this movie in theaters, and now it's on home video. This was an entertaining one. I would say it's not as good as the first one, so you didn't necessarily need to go out to theaters to see it, but I'm sure it'll end up on Disney Plus before too long here as well. Then we also had the sci-fi thriller Gemini Man from Will Smith. He's been a busy guy this fall. Did not get super great reviews, but this might be one that I'd be interested in checking out on streaming or rental as well. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, um, I blog over on the ESO Podcast website. And this week, I did a review of the movie 1917. We are the Cigar Nerds, bringing nerdy sophistication and geeky indulgence on all topics, including movies, video games, science, and pop culture news, all from the Nerd Cave Cigar Lounge. Find us on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are found, including ESOnetwork.com and CigarNerdPodcast.com. So fire up a cigar. It's time to get nerdy. Hey, we're back here on Earth Station One, and we are now ready to talk all about science. Science! And with science being the topic, who else better to join us than Dr. Scott Figay? Hello, everyone. Howdy. Good to have you here. Yes, 2020. When did that happen? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, we're in a new decade, sir. January yes. 1st, I see on my calendar. So, and we're already disappointed. 2019, despite the predictions that Blade Runner uh, and Sid Mead, um, they were too visionary for their own good because we did not get flying cars. We nope. do not have replicants, uh, which is not a bad thing because <laughs> you know going rogue. Um, but uh, I think there's still some some big stuff happening, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, the first time around when we had the, it was at the, in the 20th century, the, the roaring 20s. I, I think this is what the the streaming 20s. Uh, <laughs> is, is that is that what this is? Yeah. Uh, every, every... You know what? That that that's a that so far. Well, we're still early into it, so you don't know. <laughs> um. Uh. Well. Um. All right. So I'm going to start things off with, of course, the big thing. The big thing is Mars. 2020, especially the summer of 2020, is all about uh, uh, saying howdy to the Martians yep. um, uh, and poking that bear. Um, so uh, we've got, what, uh, two? Um, uh, we've got a rover being sent up there, right? And then also mm -hmm. uh, NASA's, well, NASA's launching a rover. We've got a probe going up there, right? And some other stuff, too. Is that true? Like more stuff? Yep, yep, yep. They're, they're, they're really starting to put together a, a series of programs to kind of get us back on track with manned uh, space flight, you know, going to Mars. I mean, that's, that's the goal. And that, that's what's so, you know, really, really, really fantastic about it. It's, it's probably going to take the entire decade to, to do it. Um, but, you know, this has been a dream since, you know, the, you know, since the second we landed on the moon, everybody said, okay, what's next? Mars, right? Um, and there's been plans to get us to Mars uh, as well far back as the 1950s. So it, it's it's something that the time has come. Now is the time. We are here. And uh, and just you know, I, look, everything to explore out there is really cool. It's a cool idea. So I'm not um, sort of dis dissing anything. But in your mind, is is Mars a a 
um, smart uh, thing to focus on at this time, or is it just kind of a sexy? We it, it like let's let's get headlines, let's get to Mars, kind of thing. You know, that's a really great question. Um, there's no doubt about it. There's a sexy value to it that it, it's going to get people excited about it. That people will support it for that. You know, the fact that we will have potentially uh, people on Mars at some point. Uh, there, there's no doubt, uh, no doubt about it. There's some benefits to that alone. Uh, if, if that's what it takes to get the public interested and the support necessary, because you could have all sorts of great ideas and, and all sorts of great programs and breakthroughs that you've created. But if you don't have the public support for this, it's never going to happen. So there has to be a little bit of that wow factor. But the other part of your question is important. Why do it? Right. This isn't, and it's not just that. Oh, look, we hit the moon. Now we can go to Mars. And isn't that roughly the same thing and all that sort of stuff? No, really. Mars represents a whole new chapter. If we can, you know, land safely on Mars and essentially set up uh, some sort of you know, long-term base there, there's so much we can learn about living off planet and what it takes to actually survive that and what type of changes that will take that no simulation really can can ever do and you know we only have one earth and at some point you know we've got to have options and i've always said you know one of the easy ones is conquer space somehow and and there's you know there's plenty of of places to go and we're constantly discovering other uh planets in the habitable zone that you know maybe someday when we crack you know faster than light travel uh, that we might be able to land in some way, or we exploring space or whatnot. So uh, it, it's very, very important. It's not just a redo of going to the moon. Well, and and I'm going to do a little plug here for um, a show, uh, a PBS series called Nova, which is, you know, for all the other stuff that's out there, Nova continues to be like this just, at, to me, in my mind, at the forefront of, of, of making great, uh, acceptable uh, or entertaining, um, uh, understandable science. Uh, yes, bringing science things to life. And in August of 2019, they issued out a five-part series about the planets in our solar system. And it's amazing to me to they're re- running those now. And if anybody has PBS uh, or has that, you can get download the app or whatever. I suggest suggest watching them because if you think you know what our current solar system is you think oh we already know all that stuff about it you we don't and it's no, like, no. <laughs> we're, we're we're constantly learning new things about i mean the just the first episode learning about mercury and everything that we thought we knew about mercury was completely wrong uh the, just the idea that it used to be a, a possibility or probability now that it used to be a sister planet of earth until something happened and it bumped it closer to the sun and that's just like i mean amazing stuff so so yes going to mars uh is just another example of learning more about um our own like our own solar system our own hometown so to speak you Mm -hmm. know what what i loved about that is that everybody has that concept of the the solar system the model you may may have made in grammar school Yep. Uh, but it's far more complicated than that. And, you know, uh, when you mentioned the, what, you know, the possible past of Mercury, you know, the first thing that, you know, popped in my mind was, 
this is set the alpha five. absolutely dude right right (laughs) yes absolutely the con story right played out in our own solar system in our own history so which it means that things like that aren't so outlandish it sounded crazy you know in in 1982 when i'm watching it going oh okay somehow starfleet can't figure that out you know you can't tell you said the alpha five from said the alpha six um but uh the way they described it you're like okay i can see how they can get fooled and then here you go something like that can happen in our own solar system yeah yeah you know and, and and it also kind of goes to the idea that you know uh you know we we, we are we're you know living universe things change you know only only humans will want a classic earth that they can somehow lock down and 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 carbon freeze into what you know what they think is the the perfect situation you know it, it's the the you know the universe is moving around us all the time you know yeah and we've we're we're not getting to know it by standing still like right. by just by just looking at a telescope and going hmm that looks cool. Like we need to be out there. Yeah. Um, and then that's, that's going to open up so many more doors, uh, you know, uh, to us just so if we, if we're focused on Mars for now, let's do that. I'm sure it's going to open up a lot of doors for, uh, you know, generations to come. So I'm, I, I'm, I there, you hope there so. Just needs to you be, really hope so. I mean, there needs to be, there needs to be uh, quantifiable goals that are achieved that people see progress. Right, because if you you know if you talk about getting to Mars uh, for another decade and you send you know one more rover after another after another, that's you know it, 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 the people that are really into that are going to know the difference between rover one and rover fifteen and what they might mean and what they might discover. But at some point, you have to you know treat it more like the original space race and and go f- you know from Mercury all the way you know. Uh, and you know, and to the Apollo and uh, programs, where each one had a specific goal and 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 uh, task that needed to be performed, and then put all those pieces together like a very complicated dance, uh, you know. Exactly. And, and I think that's been part of the problem ever since the space shuttle uh, was retired. Was that it's been very very hard for the average person to get behind the space program. I think emotionally they always are. I think that it's very easy to say you know, oh, that's cool, or I want to do that, or, or I'll, you know, I'll support it. But they don't really know what you're working on. And there's been a lot of really great science that's been done with probes and robots, and, you know, and it's also cheaper and safer. But it's, 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 that's what, that's what Mars represents. It, it represents the human coming, you know, coming back into space more than just low Earth orbit. Well, also, you're missing the competition, too. Yeah. Because that was part of the thrill of the space race was we were going to beat the Russians to the moon and we almost didn't actually. Right. And, right. and, so, and so, you know, now we just don't even have Russia that we're, the United States is competing with to get up there. You have China, you have India, you have other, you have the European union, you have, yep. you know, all these other countries that now have the ability to get to the moon and are planning on getting there within the next five years. And I think that, you know, there would be a way to be able to present that in a way that would make uh, it engaging to uh, to the public. I mean, thankfully, you know, we can do this without necessarily the 
the world ending overtones of a cold war, you know, rather than, rather than having to re- require something of that nature in order to spur the effort to get it done. I mean, sure. It'll be a, l- a little bit less, uh, 60s spy genre and a little bit more Ford versus Ferrari, uh, with it's different corporations and, and, uh, uh, funding sources, you know, who's going to plant their, their logo on Mars first. Uh, but I think, you know, that's the, the cool thing about that, though, is that uh, if you're going to have big corporations and other governments involved, that means there's more participants and there's more ways for you and I to, to participate in some small way. So so we're launching a lot of stuff to Mars this year. Obviously, we won't see the effects of that or the results of that for a few years. Uh, right. But but it's exciting nonetheless. So absolutely. So that's that's the the summer of Mars or the summer of uh, reaching out to Mars is is on the plate now. Mike, I know that uh, uh, you were uh, excited about some of the things coming out of CES 2020. Um, what are some of the topics or what are some of the things that the new cool things that are coming out that uh, you're like, oh, everybody needs to know about this. This is pretty exciting. Well. You would expect me to say like TVs or such, because everywhere at the show was 8K televisions. And, you know, for me, I'm not a big fan of that. And oh, really? such. No. Um, yeah, just you, another TV to buy. Like, really? Exactly. <laughs> I just bought my new 4K. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm not going to go drop that and get a, you know, 8K. But also, truthfully, he says this now. Wait until, wait until. Yeah, right. I know. Shaw, I know. No, 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 no. But wait truthfully, till Black Friday. Well, no. Truthfully, <laughs> if scientists have already said, you know, their TVs, these 8K TVs are getting so specialized and everything. 4K is almost as much as the human eye can see and notice. They're getting. It's getting too much. It's now getting the TVs are though with the AK TVs are getting thinner. And, you know, there's an AK TV that's 75 inches that you can fold up and roll or roll up and you can carry it in like a tube with you. It's just amazing. You know, the technology, you'll be able to put it up anywhere you want to be able to watch it. And that's for me, that's the future of television. Well, and likewise, uh, I'm yeah. Since you mentioned that, I'm kind of like it seems like one of the things that come came out of CES is that um, not just roll up TVs, but we're going to have foldable foldable tablets, foldable phones. Like now, the technology is so that these things can fold. And I know I'm like I'm like, are we going back to flip phones? No, it's uh, it's 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 more tech than that. But I don't know. To me, it's like if you can fold it, it just feels like you can break it. Like how fragile? <laughs> how fragile are these things? You and know? I'll be the one to break it, so it's perfect. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna get this really great foldable phone, and then I'm gonna buy a a uh, OtterBox to secure it so it'll be safe. Because I'm, you know, right? Because uh, I am the king of klutzes. Come on, hello. But you know, no, when you when you were talking about the foldable phones, I mean, I was thinking more about uh, Earth Final Conflict. Uh, they had their Comlink, you know, device there that was it was our handheld com- combination iPhone, uh, you know, smart scanner type thing, and it was two pieces that that pulled apart like a scroll. And you know, back in what 1990 or something like that, that was 
that was pure science fiction, but now we can do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, the, a lot of the medical devices that you're, that you're going to be using, that are going to be hooking up right to your phone. It is the tricorder from Star Trek. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it's just, it's just amazing. And all the stuff they've been with that people were coming out telling me all the, you know, drivable, you know, the big thing is about the autonomous cars that you're going to be able to have, you know, cars that drive themselves. Folks, are you ready for drivable airplanes? You know, mm-hmm. basically flying cars that drive themselves. You won't have to even drive it. it you'll, be a, you'll be a total passenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's when you really want the rest of the system to be up and running. Exactly. <laughs> you, know? you know, right. And, and it's, it's just like, you know, watching back to the future too, where you had, you know, the future. Oh, of, the super skyway. Yes, exactly. And it's like, everyone else is driving. You really want these people who had a bender the night before driving or flying their car, you know, through into my house or my second story or something. No, I don't. No, no. Yeah. The thing that's exciting to me, though, um, and yeah, I'm nervous about that, too, because it's in an uncontrolled environment. What I am curious to see is what uh, the Japanese are doing over at the Woven City, which is this uh, prototype community. Kind of, it reminds me of what Walt's vision of Epcot was in some ways, mm-hmm. but it's, yes. it's, it's, it's this, uh, this, this city that they're building from the ground up. And it's going to have self-driving vehicles run on uh, hydrogen fuel. It's going to have smart homes, not smartphones, smart no. homes. Exactly. Um, it's it, going to be really the city of the future. Exactly. It's an old Toyota plant that they took, that collapsed years ago from the economy and such. They're building the city, like Mike was saying, from the ground up. It's right at the base of Mount Fuji. And it's 170 acres that they're starting with, and they're going to build on from there. And it's going so to have that kind of controlled environment, like that kind of controlled environment. I'm like, okay, self-driving vehicles. You know, I, I think kind of sound like they're more feasible to me. Yeah, yeah. The question becomes, you know, uh, when we when we think of self-driving cars, we think about uh, something like the Autopia, right, where there's a rail. And and whatever sort of participation by the driver is minimal at, at best, uh, and even then there's accidents on that thing, right? So if oh, you trust actually, me, I know. <laughs> so so if you if you didn't put that in like everyday traffic, uh, like if you're in Los Angeles or something like that, you'd be you'd be screwed. So hopefully you have a situation where, like you say, in a controlled environment where everybody's under the same system, then it will be fine because. Uh, you know, merging will happen like a zipper. You know, there'll be enough space between each vehicle. You know, there won't be a, a chance for uh, human error or human overcorrection, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, exactly. I, I and that, that's what they're finding, like, in places like down in Florida, where they have the self-driving cars, or in New York City, or in, I know, San Francisco. They've had, you know, because they have, you can't control other cars where people right. are driving on their own. However, I do know that part of the uh, idea about that, if you, you just um, like as you mentioned, controlling other cars, part of the of the software that they're going to be playing with is the idea that 
hey, I know where my car is in relation to these other vehicles. Can I uh, relate this information to the car in front of me and the car behind me uh, so that they were more aware of me as well, you know, even if the, the occupants is not. Uh, so we're going to ultimately, there's several different ways to approach this in a free system where there's no rails or, or information being fed to the cars under, uh, on the, via the road because of like embedded track uh, or little, you know, little chips or whatnot. Um, they're thinking that another way to do this is to basically hive mind all, the, all of the cars on the road. Uh, so that'll be another way to see how that plays out. Um, but, and, and at the moment, I believe all the major car make manufacturers have signed on to at least experiment with that idea. Do you think we'll see it in our lifetime, though? Uh, well, depending on how good some of the you know 21st century medicine is going to be in the 2020s, uh, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the other cool things that also came out of the uh, CES this year was the less obtrusive technology where technology is going to be more helpful and not like blare out at you, like, you know, Alexa or stuff like that stuff where it's going to be almost like built into your, your cooktop and such, you know, they've been talking about this for years in kitchens where right. you can have, you know, you know, say it will be controlled with Alexa or something. Alexa, show me a recipe for, and it will have it right next to your stove, so you know exactly what to put in and everything. It's really awesome stuff that they have planned. It really is, and it's definitely that home of the future, right? If you can take that concept from the 1950s mm-hmm. uh, and you know the Monsanto House of, the, of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then you add uh, you add what we've just now starting to do with the smart assistants and being able to control thermostats and televisions and your and curate your news for you and and all that sort of stuff. It's really kind of cool. And one one factor that is coming into play with this that you know, doesn't get a whole lot of news is about how um, the more these systems integrate with things like uh, uh, services for 911 and emergency, it would allow older adults to be able to stay in their home uh, longer without necessarily having to pay for an, an assistant or other medical care. If they can, if their smart home is smart enough uh, to be able to monitor your health and know what you need and know your routine and know when they're, know when you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just, it's amazing. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, almost 30 years ago, when I started working at Microsoft back in the 90s, we had a building right on campus in Redmond, which was called the Smart Home. And Ooh, some neat. of these, some of these things that they were, they had mocked up and everything in the Smart Home is coming to fruition now. Yeah, yeah, that's they great. They couldn't, at the time, they couldn't have predicted a smart home, like being able to control, you know, your heat, your lights, your television, everything from your phone. I, I love the fact that you can actually get Alexa now as Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, oh, it's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. See, I, I'm waiting for the Roddy McDowell patch, but unfortunately, I think that you know it's <laughs> probably not going to happen. I'm waiting for yeah, the, that, doc, the Doc Brown that, patch. That okay. one's going to be a bit tougher since he's been gone for a while. So yeah, 
Um, uh, Scott, what about you? What is something that maybe might have slipped under most of the headlines? What uh, What have you got that you're looking forward to in 2020 and beyond? Oh, 2020 and beyond? You know, uh, there's so much. Oh my gosh, I, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what's going on with with uh, Mars, of course, and I'm also, but I'm also uh, very much interested in. Uh, th- these ideas of of um, bio machines and how they may help us uh, with our health and being able to do things like you know have replicate a kidney or regulate insulin or uh, you know or just you know general uh, general overall health and being able to uh, create machines that will uh, help against rejection and the like uh, that type of stuff that type of stuff is big and you know I had I had uh, uh, one article about uh, where they have created using DNA and biomaterials, they've been able to create a uh, a machine that actually has a metabolism and has the ability to replicate and to order itself. Um, uh, and so it starts with a sing, uh, with simpler blocks and then it kind of grows organically into a more complex chain and actually has a, a bit of a life cycle when it comes to uh, a functioning metabolism. Now, we're, we're still Haven't about... Haven't they seen Terminator? Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, immediately you think Terminator or you think Nexus, you know, uh, replicants, or you think the replicators from Stargate, uh, you know, you know, none of which is all good, right? Um, but the the where the good from this could come is when when integrating with ourselves when you you know that you know that that clunky pacemaker that your great uncle might have had or that your your parent may have had to deal with uh 50 years ago i mean the, the days of that big clunky thing are gone you know what's going to replace it is something that's going to integrate into your body a, a lot better uh and it's going to be because of technology like this where they weren't trying to make a living machine, they were supposed to make. They were trying to make a lifelike machine. Uh, so that type of stuff, I'm very, very interested in. Uh, mostly because I want to live long enough to get to that the self-driving car. <laughs> <You> <laughs> well, that's well, the thing. I, you're you're going to have I, all these great advances, and the self-driving car is going to wreck, and it's not going to work, and it's going to it's going to destroy uh, you. So, well, you see, the, 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 there's other factors when it comes to the self-driving car because you have to deal with. I mean, what's what's wonderful about the city that you guys mentioned was they're building it from the ground up. Like Walt's uh, Progress City, that's the only way to do it. You can't really retrofit uh, an, uh, a hundred-year-old city to, for something like that because it just you know the streets aren't designed a certain way, the, they're not maintained at, or whatnot. I mean, heck, you know the DMV took fifteen years to get the real ID out, right? So, yeah. it, it, you know that's it doesn't you know eh, I, there's a little bit of a problem with all that. So I, I need I need better health through science to, <laughs> to make it to the self-driving car. Um, but you know, and then the other. The other thing that I'm really, really fascinated by um, is that every year that goes by, we we have a better understanding of what we don't know with the universe. You know, we, we keep learning new things, and the things we learn re, uh, create more questions. Uh, and that's uh, that's a really cool phenomenon. Uh, for that, I, I'm going to point to a um, a quantum thought experiment that was posted on our on our website and i shared with you guys this link there was a uh, you, you're familiar with 
the Schrodinger's cat with the idea that you cannot know if the cat is alive or dead unless you actually open the box and observe it, correct? Because until you do, the cat's either it, the cat is both alive and dead through quantum, uh, you know, from quantum and uh, science and stuff like that. So with this article, what's really cool about it is that they're saying is that 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 the act of observation is independent of everybody who can observe. So the fact that um, one person can observe the state of, let's say, a photon and know whether or not it's in a, a, a horizontal or a vertical position doesn't mean that everybody in the, who can observe that photon automatically knows that same information. So on the quantum level, there's no, uh, there's no objective reality. And that in itself is just crazy. I mean, you, you sit there and go, like, how does that work? And how does that, you know, translate with the real world and stuff like that? And uh, so th that, that article has come up uh, quite a few times on the Dr. Geek Think Tank uh, over the past couple of weeks. And we have a, a, uh, a gentleman that reached out to me who came up with a really great idea based on that that he really wants help with. Unfortunately, uh, I'm not a physics uh guy and I'm not uh, in uh, the, the type of person that could really help him write this paper. Uh, so if anyone out there is listening really wants to, you know, struggle uh, with a, a concept for academia and, and come up with a really cool paper, uh, he's willing to try to find funding for it. So uh, anyway, if anyone wants to know more about that, they can reach me through ESO. That's, That's very pretty cool. awesome. That's very cool. Um, the first thing you were mentioning real quick about, uh, you know, um, the, the, the things that we've got coming, you know, for living, living lives better, uh, healthier, that kind of thing. Right. The, the device that, uh, that came out, uh, with, uh, what Mike was talking about with the CES, uh, 2020, like, um, the, the, the watches and the, um, uh, phones that can now the apps that can like keep track of our health in ways that, like a tricorder would is amazing. Right. We've also got some really kind of exciting things happening with, um, with the uh, Alzheimer's drug that they're developing. Oh, with, that's big. That's with, big. Yeah. That's really huge. I mean, uh, unfortunately it's kind of disappointing some of the later results, but just the, the news that uh, it's finally going to probably get us food and drug administration approval this year is pretty exciting. Right. right. Um, so, so that's a, a step in the right direction. I think we've also got um, uh, uh, a, a, uh, I think some of the, um, there's been progress in detecting cancer, there, uh, various types of cancer faster or earlier, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, there's uh, this um, gene editing tool, CRISPR, right, is going to be yes. tested this year which is going to help with, um, you know, hopefully defeating uh, some uh, forms of cancer and, and helping immune systems. CRISPR, mm -hmm. CRISPR is, a, is a fantastic tool. And unfortunately, it gets a lot of bad press because what people, you know, there'll be a lot of clickbait articles uh, suggesting that, you know, someone's going to use CRISPR to, uh, you know, create some sort of man-monkey you know, thing or, or, right, you know, right. or, you know, and, and something crazy like that. Uh, I know that it has, there's been some controversy uh, in other countries where CRISPR has been used to uh, 
you know, genetically predetermine uh, certain traits with twins and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you get into that kind of eugenics issue and, and, and all that sort of thing. And uh, it all comes back you, to you know, it, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I think that, it, you know, it's a very, very powerful tool that could do a lot of good. I just hope we can get past the clickbait part of, of what it has been kind of uh, mired in. Uh, I also understand that uh, they're working on some sort of male birth control pill um, and that might be approved this year as well because it's going through trials. And really exciting, um, a friend was telling me about this just the other day, that I guess there's word that uh, a cure for the flu might be on the way. Well, well they really need that... it this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so having just seen my wife go through a, a bout of the flu, uh, how would they do that? Given how many strains there are, I mean, um, supposedly this this does account for uh, a good percentage of them. I, to be honest, I don't know the details. Sure, uh, but um, and I think it's still years away from um, you know actual development. I think it's just started testing or whatever, but. The idea right. that they they think they might know the answer to that is is pretty outstanding. It is, especially if you consider that the flu shot that you can get at your local CVS or something like that is something like only eighty percent effective, um, you know, or so at at best uh, means that they must they must be you know cracking some important nuts when it comes to the flu. Uh, you know, if you ever, you know, if you see more articles about that, send it my way. I'd love to see how that works. Yeah, I'm, uh, I've just, like I said, um, uh, someone was telling me about it the other day and I don't know exactly what, uh, the details are on it, but I think, uh, he, yeah, he's, he's a frequent listener to NPR, so I'm sure it's probably somewhere in there. <laughs> well, that would be a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, uh, although I do see here uh, something I just looked online real quick, um, but yeah, it's Codagenics, a company developing vaccines and viral therapies for illness ranging from flu and respiratory viruses, raised $20 million for a new round of financing, blah, blah, blah. So, so I don't know if that's it, but it's, you know, it's hopefully something that's on the way as well. Um, Absolutely, Mike, yeah. Mike, was there anything else that uh, you wanted to uh, mention that's uh, kind of exciting to hear about here in the in the new decade? Well, from the still from the same thing we were talking about from the tech show is you know over the next you know probably twenty years, food is going to start becoming very scarce and everything, and we have to look at alternatives to meat and such to be able to feed like huge huge populations like india and southeast asia and latin america and south america and such hell our own country in a lot of ways and you know i'm not trying to get political or anything but you know impossible meats came out with another one we have a impossible pork now that has been invented to go with the impossible chicken and the impossible beef, it only makes sense that there's now impossible pork. So you can have impossible bacon, thank goodness. <laughs> you know? For those of us who have missed it greatly, it's going to be awesome it, it, to see how would, much it tastes it be, like it. Would, would it be kosher? I guess it would be, wouldn't it? I oh, guess. of course it, we could finally have kosher bacon, which is awesome. Kosher yeah. bacon. And it, uh, it's the it's dream. Been awesome. 
Well, <laughs> there is kosher bacon, but it's beef bacon. And, you know, gotcha. but that's a whole, but if you don't eat meat, there yeah. you go. And it's easier to produce plant-based products than it is to feed animals than to slaughter them and, you know, all that. And it's just, it is the future. And, you know, more and more, it's going to be food coming, you know, from, you know, from gardens and such to become meat substitutes. And the human body, you know, we're supposed to be carnivores. Humans are. I, I see I see it sort of like a three D printer Keurig sort of thing where you have like a pod uh that you know has like you know your 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 national brand or whatever, you know, what would say like a Pizza Hut, you know, pizza in a Keurig little pod and you put it in and your three D printer will then print out a pizza. Look at uh, I and, hate to reference back to the future too again. Yeah. You remember the hydrator that they had? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty but, much almost like the same thing, or the replicator in a lot of ways. Yeah, where it, where it will be, in, you know, it will be some sort of synthetic uh, approximation, probably. I mean, the the I know that the uh, people have been working on on three uh, D printing, uh, you know, flesh like substance for a while, and it's a matter of texture and. A bunch of other stuff. So there, there's a there's going to be, I, I you know, it, it, the question becomes is is it, can it also be good for you when you when you get it? Yes, it might be plant based, but can, can it still be okay? It's like yeah, I can drink diet coke, but I really shouldn't. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It will uh, be it will be real fascinating. But yeah, it's a it's a a really cool bit of technology. It's it's just it's awesome, you know. And as the world becomes more and more overpopulated, we have to do something to do yep. it. And water is become, starting to become scarce, also. And that was another technology that they were talking about: is pulling water out of the atmosphere. So, Moisture farming, huh? It's a thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we just soon we'll have two suns, so you know we'll have to see. <laughs> Scott, anything else uh, real quick that you wanted to uh, bring to our attention? Oh, sure. Uh, well, kind of in, in the same vein uh, is, is Mike's 3D printed food and the impossible pork. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I came across London has these things now called city trees, uh, which are really kind of cool. It's um, uh, a, a vertical platform. Uh, that they have that they've covered in moss that has the ability to scrub the air as effective as 275 natural trees. And they've got them, th- you know, throughout areas of London. And it, it just kind of, it, it's one of those kind of cool little experiments that you're like, wow. Okay. So yes, you know, I could, you know, try to replant an entire forest, but if I don't have room for that, look how useful this can be. Uh, you know, you can put this somewhere and it wouldn't be that obtrusive and look how much good it's doing. So I, I kind of thought that that was a, a, a really cool little uh, breakthrough. That is really cool. That's uh, I mean, that's something that, you know, uh, something that people are doing to help things, which is always, you know, to, to help the problem instead of uh, adding to it. 
and and it makes and it makes an obvious you know impact, which is kind of cool too, right? I mean, it's it's not like oh, I'm doing a one for one tree replacement. I mean, this is you know this moss uh, you know city tree, quote unquote. Uh, if it truly is capable of scrubbing the air uh, better than t- uh, the equivalent of 275 uh, regular trees, I mean that's that's something right there. I mean, if if there was just a couple of those in in Aurora, you really could make a, a big impact. Yeah, uh, people are already used to having artificial trees for Christmas. I think this should be a you know no brainer. <laughs> <laughs> as far as this, like it actually does something to help people. No, exactly, yep. and it would also help reverse you know all that's being torn up in the Amazon rainforest right now. Yeah. Well, I, I still I still think that that should stop. <laughs> Just, well, yes, it should. <laughs> well, but, you know, there's so much climate change stuff going on right now. Look at what's happening in Australia and all the species that are being destroyed by oh, yeah. these fires down there. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's awful, I, you know. And that's almost like the point of no return with that. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, getting back to, um, something a little bit more positive, I think. Um, uh, so there's this race between Japan, China, uh, U.S. to who could build the biggest supercomputer. Oh, right. Um, and, uh, it looks like China is, uh, waving the first flag, uh, because we are getting, uh, this, uh, this, what's this called? The... The uh, I had it written down. Sorry, the Exascale computer, which is supposed to be making its debut this year um, from China, and it's supposed to be yeah, just absolutely incredible. Um, it is. Let's see. As of June 2019, China had 219 of the world's 500 fastest supercomputers, where the United wow. States only had 116. Um, they are using a yet to be announced CPU, of course, because you know it's all secret, secret. Sure. Um, but uh, it does sound pretty exciting. I'm just sort of imagining, though, when it makes its debut, uh, the scene in my head is the scene from um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where, the they're, Galaxy? All gathered, where <laughs> yeah. they're all gathered around to the <laughs> ultimate computer that they built right. to to for the <laughs> to, to tell us the uh, the, the answer, answer to life, the universe, and everything. And the yes. computer is, <laughs> you really want to know? Yes, yes, that's yes. why we built you. <laughs> so <laughs> um, back you're not going to like it. <laughs> so so we'll know if China succeeded. <laughs> If this supercomputer can and can generate uh, the answer of forty-two, right? That's exactly. And, and you if know, all it's going to be the first question they ask. Come on. Oh yeah, and and, and if all of a sudden they start, you know, building a, an even bigger computer, um, you know, to understand what the question was. Yeah. Then, well, yeah. Then that's what Earth is built for. So, right. Uh, that's why we get the planet. Um, anything else, Mike? Was there anything else that uh, you needed to uh, spark out about for the science discoveries? Anything regarding, like, you know, something maybe that's uh, like maybe not technical, but maybe something that might be more of a revelation. A revelation. Well, you know, revelation that just recently you heard that. Astronauts finally found the crater where 800,000 years ago, a meteor slammed into the Earth, but they never knew where it landed. Wow. 
yeah, which you'd it, think like, hmm, that should have made a mark. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know, and it's pretty amazing. And, you know, they were checking, you know, different areas, you know, Eastern Antarctica, the Indian Ocean, and, you know, but the crater, crater's location located until now. And it's uh, it's actually in Bolivia they found it. It's uh, But it's been so grown over that they couldn't tell. And because of the different volcanoes that have erupted since then has, you know, erupted over the, you know, where the crater borders were and everything. It's pretty amazing. Well, it just shows you how adaptable the earth is and what, you know, uh, what, what, what we think of as permanent is definitely not. And just how active our solar system was at one point, if you're thinking about, if you think about what we said about Mercury earlier and, you know, big objects like that slamming into the, into the earth, uh, that was a lot more activity than we've seen recently. Yep. And we're just in a very calm period right now, as they like to say, but yeah. Well, this is also, uh, 2020 is also a big year as far as, um, especially in the U S but in, in terms of policy, in terms of, uh, climate control, as well as, uh, environmental, uh, all sorts of policy obviously is going to be a factor throughout the whole year. Yeah. Um, as, as the election wars on, um, we've also got, uh, the United Nations, uh, with the COP 26 climate conference, mm-hmm. Uh, which is where like everybody's homework is due. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except, yeah. except I understand that we're not showing up for class. Is that right? The dog well, our so... homework, basically. Yeah, they, they, uh, have, they, have, they have a hard time because uh, not one single country is actually following through on any of the goals that they set. Sure. Uh, you, you know, and on top of that, uh, every time you know uh, they recently tried to implement. Uh, any sort of policies from stuff like that, you end up having riots. I mean, that's where the yellow vests started uh, in France was because of the uh, uh, changes in fuel that, that they were going to do to try to get in line with the Paris uh, Accords and stuff like that. And it, it, it's, it, you know, they're trying to come up with a great policy that would be good for the planet. And everyone, you know, wants to do that. And then they're like, oh my God, that means it's going to be this sort of burden on our lives. Oh, oops. Yeah, you know, now now the French are going to protest for for six months, you know. Well, exactly. Yes. But truthfully, most people are, you know, all talking, all talking until they actually have to go ahead and start making the drastic yeah, if, changes. If it, yeah, if yeah. it changes something in their lifestyle, then they're like, oh, forget about it. Yeah. And that's going to be the hardest part of it. Harder, you know, that's why uh, I, I personally like the idea of these, uh, you know, trees or other passive technology that hopefully can kind of you know clean up our mess uh that way you know you you can get more funding for that than to tell people you're going to now increase their fuel costs by 40 percent uh you know or something like that or you know the carbon uh uh trade-offs and stuff like that if you know i can understand a great many things but if someone could explain to me how that is supposed to work uh i I would love to know (laughs) you know uh we've also got um uh, the U.S. Census is going to be uh, online. Uh, it's going to be filled out online and uh, <laughs> uh, for the first time ever. 
So we'll see how that can go. You know, obviously that information is going to go uh, right to the Russians. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, actually, actually, you know, that that's kind of uh, big because, they, you know, they constantly are concerned about people who don't have access to things like computers or the or a portal to be able to fill that out. Right, uh, right. And there, and that would mean that, you know, the most vulnerable of us would be underrepresented in that census. Yeah. So well, the, there is a there is a movement to, I mean, still hit those people just like they would, you yeah. know, anybody else. But uh, obviously that's going to be more of an effort. Sure. No, what, what, what I was going to say was that if if, you know, uh, uh, assuming that this was done with uh, without negligence, the idea that we could <laughs> the idea that we could actually do a census online. It shows you that in 2020, the internet is that pervasive that that there is you know almost everybody has access to the internet in one way or another. So much so that we're that we're comfortable doing the census online. You know, so that could be uh, that could be a good sign. I mean, I know that there's a, uh, you know definitely a push to have uh, 5G internet everywhere. Well, you know, all they have to do is hook it up with one of those, like, you know, Facebook things that are like, you know, what what house <laughs> of uh, Harry Potter are are you? Do you belong to? Or oh, right, yeah. You know, what what what's your Star Wars name? Alien right, right. Name, you know, what's your what's your what's your kyber crystal? <laughs> so I'm sure that you know. Uh, and then what was it just last year? You know, the whole thing about the uh, you know getting you know that that app where you could. Or that thing where you could do where you could see what you look like, what, 10, 20 years older or something like that. Oh, right, and then right, right. That, that was being, that was like, uh, I guess, in you know, the, a Russian company was responsible for that. So it created a whole bunch of uh, hoo-ha and all that kind of stuff. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now so, we know Scott's reaction to that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, it, you know, it looks like it's going to be, Look, it looks like it's going to be another exciting year. And I hope that, uh, you know, I hope there's more stories like some of the ones we're mentioning that are, are you know, signs for good. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, there's going to be disasters. There's going to be, you know, uh, situations where it's going to cause these, some of these things are going to con- cause controversy. But at least I feel it makes me feel like we're moving forward. Yeah, it does feel like maybe the future finally is here uh, a little bit. Uh, and it, it, uh, maybe I, you know, that would be a really, really cool thing if we could have uh more stories of like that that intern that discovered a new planet at NASA after only being there a couple of days. You know, stories like right. that—that's cool. Yes, that was cool. I, I did see that as well. Um, let me ask you this too, as we're because we really wind down. Um, look, uh, I would point to anybody who's interested in all things science and discussing it to check out uh, Dr. Geek's Think Tank on Facebook as a Facebook group, because there's a great number of people there, some great minds, uh, open discussion, not all right. that, you know, uh, trolling that you see in other places. Oh, good, um, good gosh. No, 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 no. I would, no. We'll stand for it. Not for a mm-hmm. second. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a great source, but let me ask you, Mike and Scott, like, over the course of the year, where do you get, like, where's good resources for you to get your science news? I mean, there's a lot of places online. Of course, we have, uh, you know, channels devoted to it. Um, you know, I mentioned Nova early, early on. I, I think that's still a program. It's been going on for almost, I think, 40 years now. And uh, 
Uh, but still, to me, it's, I guess maybe it's because I grew up with PBS, you know, uh, New England and Channel 2 and all that. It just seems to me like that's where I've been getting my science news for uh, for my entire life. But but is there, um, you know, uh, is there places that you, you recommend that people check out on a regular basis and, and, and find stuff to talk about on, in, in, in the group? Uh, you know, that's a great question. And I wish the answer was, sure, it's this address or, <laughs> or, 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 or this one particular app. I, I Unfortunately, no, it has been kind of frustrating. Uh, I'm also of a certain age and, and my default would be PBS uh, or, you know, or something along those lines or NPR. Uh, but, you know, I, I there's a lot of I, I get a lot of articles you know, sent my way and, and a lot of it are click, is clickbait. Uh, so you just have to, and so I've, I've learned how to debunk a lot of stuff I've seen more than uh, finding reliable sources. If that's a sad commentary, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, I really, I really haven't. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I'll, uh, I'll look at three or four different sources for uh, uh, the news. And if something comes up, in, in science that is covered by, I would say, the BBC, as well as uh, France 24 or, or uh, Deutsche World or something like that, then I know that it's probably, you know, gotten past the, uh, the, the clickbait of, of uh, Facebook, uh, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But even still, it, it, you know, it really depends on the science communicators who are writing those articles. And if the, if the journalist is just going to copy down, you know, information from a, a, a one-sheet, you're not really going to get much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's real important for everybody to just, you know, if you're going to be inquisitive about this stuff, if you really like this stuff, be prepared to go down rabbit holes. Oh, and uh, there are tons of them out there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, stuff, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. I mean, I find that, you know, if you just watch the NASA channel, it's a little too dry. Um, right. But if you, and if, but, but now discovery seems like it's too over central, <laughs> you know, like it's like, it's too busy talking about like mystical sharks or something. I don't know. Like, I know since like, Mythbusters went away, what, what the yeah, heck, what, you know what, what? you're not wrong since Mythbusters was gone. Every time yeah. I try to look at the, something on the discovery channel, it just feels like it's so sensational. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. What, what happened to the science channel and, and, and discovery and the, what happened to the history channel? What the, yeah, sorry. I know, but, but, but we there do is have... a, but there is a sense of good news. That's it. Cosmos season two is coming back this spring. Nice, ah, good plug. Nice. Yeah, good plug. I was just about to ask you. I'm sure Neil's up to something, right? Oh, of course he is. You know, he does his Star Talk podcasts all the time between him and his buddy Bill Nye, the Science Guy. Those guys are awesome. two at the two guys at the forefront still, right? Oh, very yeah. much so. And but he also brings on a lot of, lot of other scientists. It's just not the two of them talking, which is awesome, and they make it entertaining to all different types of people. Um, also, you know, there's some great stuff on the National Geographic's channel for science. Oh yeah, is that the that, now is that part of like? I'm glad. Yeah, Disney now owns that now. Yes, actually. I'm glad yeah. that Disney Plus includes. The National Geographic uh, content, and I was looking over that, and that seemed, you know, uh, pretty interesting. So, oh, there's some amazing B- stuff, and then BBC also is a great, oh, good call, a great, great, you know, you know, look thing for it. So, there's definitely outlets out there, and you know, science, you know, like Scott says, 
is out there, but be prepared to start going down the rabbit holes because there's articles out there that counter each other. And you also have to try to find out what's true and not true. Also. Right. And, 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 and if you don't understand the science being discussed or the concept being discussed, there's always ways to learn about it. Um, but be prepared to take the time. That's the thing, because 98% of what I see on a daily basis, it's sloppy. And and you can see where misinformation gets spread like crazy. Well, that's exactly. that's that's one of the main reasons we like having you on the show, Scott. And that's uh, uh, you know I wish we could do this every month, uh, but uh, we will check in with you uh, again in 2020 and see what uh, what the status is on some of the things we've talked about, as well as uh, some of the new concepts that have uh, been revealed. So I, I look forward to that. Thank you, sir. You know, my pleasure. And the, the day I can drive my well, my self driving car can take me to Dragon Con. <laughs> you know, it'll it'll be awesome. <laughs> it will be exactly okay. Very cool. Well, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back after the ESO Network Con. Hey, everybody. Michelle here with the iconic rock talk show moment. We are only immortal for a limited time. Those are the words of the man they call the professor, uh, the drummer and lyricist for Rush, uh, Mr. Neil Peart, who passed away last week at age 67 after a, uh, a private, um, not too many people knew about it, uh, battle with brain cancer. Um, he was not the original drummer for Rush. He came in after the first album and succeeded John Rutsey, but... Um, his level of playing, just his unmatched level of, of playing, his musicianship helped um, push Rush to a whole new level with the trademark um, fills and solos that he crafted and also um, his lyric writing, which came from just this deep love of poetry and philosophy reading and Shakespeare and literature so he really helped Rush craft um, just an identity and a supreme level of musicianship. And whether you're a big fan of Prague or not, or of Rush the Band or not, you got to bow to the wow of the, mus of the musicianship, because it's just amazing stuff. Um, Pert wrote seven nonfiction books and contributed to several uh, fiction books and put out a lot of content on his website. Uh, he had time to write the theme for Hockey Night in Canada, and he is just uh, remembered across the industry, so many people paying tribute to what a wonderful friend and person he was as well. Um, he knew tragedy in his own life. In 97, he lost his daughter, Selena, um, in a car crash, and he lost his first wife uh, to cancer uh, the year after that, and uh, he was able to come back from that tragedy and uh, finish his career with Rush on his own terms. So um, we pay tribute to that. Travel on well, Neil. And uh, we will remember your words. If the future's looking dark, we're the ones who have to shine. And next week, this Wednesday, actually, the announcement for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2020 will be made. And... Next week, we will be talking about it here on the podcast. Will there be kvetching and moaning? Will there be cheering? Or will there just be a meh? 
We'll find out then. Um, We will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our Station One. Now it's time for... Ready for this, folks? For the week of January 15th, 2020, it's the Con Report! I'm losing my voice! Ah! Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Uh, Well, this is be quick, Mike. You don't have to worry. There's not a lot actually happening right now. Uh, You and I just went to uh, the ACC, Atlanta Comic Convention, the one-day show uh, that was held uh, this past weekend on Sunday at the Atlanta Marriott Century Center. Um, And uh, again, it's good crowd. They actually had a really good crowd, I thought, uh, this uh, this particular Sunday. Um, Their Super Bowl Sunday what show traditionally is their biggest show uh unfortunately they're they've lost that date so um this is as close as it gets but i found that uh there's a steady stream of people i talked to uh some of our friends and they said that business was good uh, i know the award-winning bobby nash had sold quite a few books a number of his new uh, copies of his new book uh, suicide bomb uh, so i definitely recommend people check that out and that was selling pretty well for him um and it's good to see uh, some other folks as well you know it's a it's a normal crowd uh you know that we see uh, all the time but they're they're good folks um saw patron uh eso network patron mark heffern in there um so uh good time i bought uh i got my calendars from asgard press so i i now have a vintage batman calendar a vintage wonder woman cat calendar so uh i i'm glad that they're producing those they're the only thing about them is they're a little smaller now and they used to be 18 months and now they're 12 um so they've diminished them a little bit but they're still quality artwork quality paper uh paperwork uh, a quality endeavor for sure and i don't know my my walls wouldn't be the same uh because i've been getting them for like 10 years now or something but they just would ever since they've been doing them because they're just i love looking at these classic vintage covers all year long so um so i did that i bought a couple of uh issues of um uh brave and the bold for my collection uh, some older issues. Uh, I'm slowly but surely getting that collection made. I got those from our good friends at Infinite Realities who were, had a booth there. So I was glad to see Chris and them there represented. So um, good times. And I understand you were there for a short time. Yeah, I had a lot to do yesterday with Judy. And so I put an appearance in. I didn't have that much pop figures. So I was like, oh, why I stay? noticed that. Are we seeing like the, 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 are we seeing pop figures kind of diminish? Is it going downhill now or is it just a fluke you think? It's a fluke. It depends on the vendors they have. Cause I noticed a lot of smaller vend- vendors there um, had a few of them, but not, there wasn't any vendors that have like a whole booth dedicated right. to it right. and everything. But if you go to the bigger shows, you can't sneeze without hitting pop figures. And so, yeah, so I ended up just getting two trades and, you know, it was fun. I got to see a lot of friends, saw Mark Heffernan, 
Uh, saw Mark Ballard. Haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, crazy hair, Mark Ballard. Oh yeah, he's he's going hippie on us, I think. <laughs> and you know, it was cool. Saw Bobby Nash, saw James Burroughs, saw you know quite a few other people. So it's it was very cool. It's a very good show, and uh, I think the next one is going is scheduled for April. So, uh, so I guess uh, once the, the date is made, once the date is set, we'll we'll definitely add it to our uh, con report here. And um, the next coming the the next show that you can see ASO Network folks at is actually this weekend, January seventeenth through the twentieth. It is Aresia, and it is in Boston, Massachusetts. So the Flopcast crew of Kevin Cornflake and the mayor of Chickentown. I believe all three of them are going to be there. Uh, as far as I know, Kevin will be uh, participating in a number of panels. Uh, you can find out much more information by reaching out to the Flopcast crew. But I, I recommend that if you're going there uh, at all um, to, to say hi to them, seek them out, uh, because they are great people, great representatives of the ESO network. We're glad to have them with us. Uh, they just celebrated episode 400, which is amazing. So uh, they're going strong and uh, they don't show, you know, as silly as they are, they don't show any signs of slowing down. Nope. As long as there's chickens to talk about. <laughs> as be long going as there's strong. chickens in the news, you will have the Flopcast crew. Um, and that's, that's it. Uh, we've got some other dates that uh, looks like they're going to be finalized in the next uh, probably couple weeks. So uh, definitely keep uh, listening to this space because we'll have some announcements pretty soon about some of the conventions that we're excited to participate in uh, starting probably as early as March, uh, maybe even February. So uh, like I said, listen out and uh, we will be back with, and, and in the meantime, uh, we are getting ready to produce the actual Dragon Con report uh, for this year. The first episode of that will be dropping within a couple weeks. So uh so keep an ear out for that if you want to know about all things related to Dragon Con for 2020. It's going to be a big year for Dragon Con, and we're excited to uh, tell you all about it starting in with our first uh, broadcast. And if you have any other conventions that you want us to help promote, uh, please feel free to reach out to us because we love talking about it. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Morbius movie trailer that just hit. I adore the lesser-known Marvel series that are getting shows and movies right now. Cloak and Dagger is one of my all-time favorite Marvel comic series, and I really enjoyed the take of the series that they had. I also enjoyed the Runaways Cloak and Dagger crossover story, as well as the Runaway series, which is great if you haven't seen it. So I'm really happy that Marvel is creating series of lesser known or not as popular characters, even though my Inhumans got the short end of that. I'm still super sad about that. Lockjaw was so adorable. The Morbius trailer hit yesterday, and while the trailer, in my opinion, doesn't really give us much other than it's going to be a straight up origin story, we don't actually see much of the character himself in many ways that most of us probably want to see him in the movie. I get that we need some backstory for lesser known characters. So the audience will be a bit more engaged, but I'm not sure if this trailer is only showing the first 10 minutes of the movie or if this movie will be all backstory. And then we get the vampire right at the end that we all want to see. Also, I need a blade crossover at some point. 
Maybe not right now, but eventually, please. Let me have some Blade. Preferably Wesley Snipes' Blade and Morbius. It would be great. I am scared this film will have the same response as Venom seemed to have, instead of the super ecstatic response that the most recent Spider-Man films had. But we'll see. And I will go and see this film and make my own thoughts outside of the ones that I have just from watching the trailer, because trailers can be deceiving. Which, you know, it's just a lot of Jared Leno not in vampire makeup, which I really want him to be in that Morbius makeup going around being Morbius, not just a scientist looking for a cure. He seems to be playing the character well, so I'm not really scared about actor choices or whatever. I just want to see a film that does justice to the character, so I am eagerly awaiting this movie to come out so I can go watch it. What do you all think? I know I'm going to be excited because it is a character I really want to see in a movie, but I don't know what everyone else thinks. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? You're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank Dr. Scott for being here and talking all about science. Thank you, guys. It's an honor as always. Anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Uh, Oh, yes. Anacrocon this coming February for Valentine's Day weekend. Anacrocon, same hotel as Hulanta for those in Georgia. Uh, Dr. Geek's laboratory is the science track. Uh, so we're going to be doing uh, multiple days of programming all day. Uh, so it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's sort of like a Dr. Geek science fair on steroids. That is awesome. And it is the final Anacrocon, too. Yeah, sadly, that is true. So we're uh, going to help them go out on a bang. You might not want to talk about bangs with science all that much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just a big bang. Probably that. Okay, that is awesome. That is awesome. And where can people find you, Dr. Scott? Sure. You can find us on Facebook at the Dr. Geek Think Tank uh, Facebook group, uh, Dr. Geek Lab uh, Facebook page, or drgeeklab.com on the web. And uh, Apple Podcasts and everywhere you can download uh, audio shows. That is awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, of course, couldn't do this without my podcast partner, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to, well, last week I gave a shout out because uh, a lot of us appeared on Earth Station DCU to talk about the first part of Crisis of Infinite Earths crossover. And we are getting back together to talk about the finale this weekend. So uh, that should be out shortly after uh, after the week. So um, look forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the conclusion uh, this week as well as uh, talking all about it. Unfortunately, Mike, I know you can't be there. So uh, I, I, I understand that Nathan Laws is, uh, is going to appear as well to... Uh, not replace you. We're not going to say that. Oh, um, never, just, ever, uh, ever. Just sort of just fill in sort of uh, that spot, we'll say. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, thanks again to everybody at the uh, Drew and, and Cletus at Earth Station DCU. They're doing an incredible job, and it's great to, great fun to join them uh, whenever possible. It was a lot of fun, and I'm 
dying to find out what ends up happening. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. You know, worlds will live, worlds will die. <laughs> so, uh, my shout out real quick is going out to the Netflix series Lost in Space. Season two was released the day before Christmas, and I just got done watching. And wow, is all I can say. Uh, I loved the first season last year, what they did. It was a ton of fun. I enjoyed the series, how they progressed the characters, and they took it to the next level with season two. And it isn't the 1960s Lost in Space that you were expecting. And it is a whole different story, which is nice because it goes with the original theme, but it's not taking you know it's not rehashing the stories over and over again it takes it all in a whole different direction with some very familiar characters repurposed and everything it was done really well and i highly recommend it if you ever get a chance so it should be cool for folks and hopefully we'll get to see a season three next year hopefully so we'll see Speaking of next year, we are going to be back next week, and we are going to be talking, that's right, folks, we are going to be talking all about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, class of 2020. Speaking of things happening in the future, and we're in 2020 already, this is pretty cool. So, Mikey, you want to get your predictions ready now? Who do you think is going to get be the first to be in. Hey, it's no secret. I've been a fan. I've been pushing for Pat Benadar to get in. I feel like this is her moment. So uh, hopefully I will uh, be reporting that success uh, next week. I hope so. That would be great. She truly, truly deserves it. And I've loved Pat. And, you know, I think, you know, I think I'm hoping not that Dave Matthews will be snubbed because there's some rumor going around about that. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but we're going to be talking all about that. And before we get out of here, I want to do a quick shout out to our, basically to all of our wonderful patrons. We haven't talked about them for a couple of weeks and we do run the ad and everything. And, you know, want to do a quick shout out to our patrons, especially Mark Heffernan, Jerry Chandler, Mike Seals, Jen Adams, Michelle and Michelle Phillips. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those are just a few of our patrons who put a little bit of shekels out and put some money out to help us out. For You could do the same thing for as little as 25 cents a week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. Pretty darn easy. And if you have any questions for us, if you want anything that we're doing right or we're doing wrong, we are available, you know, anytime at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com. And like I like to say, you know, we couldn't do this without you guys at home. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you. And we will see you here next time on the EarthStation1 podcast. Peace. And we are done. You've been listening to the EarthStation1 podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.